in your Bible tonight, please, to Luke chapter number 19. Luke chapter number 19, and I'm so happy you're here tonight. I really am. I appreciate you coming, and I trust I'll see you again this week. Uh, I, I want to encourage you to do something. I, I'm sure it's okay. Tomorrow night, there is food before the service. Yeah, invite someone to work with. Say, hey, we're having a meal, and then we're having a service. Why don't you come? Really? People love food. I can tell by looking that you love food. But anyway, no, people love food. They do. I say, hey, we got a free meal at the church. Then we got a little service. Hey, why don't you come some night? And then we'll go to a service. Really, that will work. That will work. So do anything you can, everything that you can think of. God would honor to try and bring somebody with you this week. But I'm thrilled to be here. I'm looking for a great week. I hope you'll be part of it every single Night. Now, let me just share something with you. Uh, <clears throat> no, I'm not going to share it tonight. I'll share it tomorrow night. Okay, here, here we go. There's a teaser. Come back tomorrow night and hear it. Yeah, okay. Here we go. Teen. Number one. And Jesus is through Jericho. He's not in Jericho. He's in the suburbs. You could call this passage salvation in the suburbs. And thank God, God can save people anywhere, anytime, but not just any way. The way is Christ. Look in your Bible now, verse number two. Behold, a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. To see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, who passed that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, To the poor, if I take anything from any man by false accusation, I fourfold. Him this day is salvation come to this house for as much is a son of Abraham. Stop. What does that teach? A time. It's your birthday. Well, I grew up in a church. I've always believed. No, you're going to hell with that belief. The Bible speaks of a time and a place salvation. Bible. It is time to seek the Lord, a time and a place salvation. Now, do you remember? You may not know the calendar date. You may remember the experience, friend. I would not state my going to heaven on what I've learned my whole life and acted on personally by receiving Christ. No, it's a time and a place when you get saved. August the 12th, 1958, lying in bed at church camp. I saved, I called on Christ. I was a baptized church member. A good moral boy, but I had never made that decision until that night when the Spirit of God spoke to my heart. I realized I'd done everything except the only thing that counts. And thank God that night I settled it. I invited Christ into my heart. And look in your Bible. Here we go. Verse number 10 For the Son of to seek and to save that which was lost. When Jesus Christ, God's Son, left heaven, arrived on planet Earth, he came primarily for two reasons. Number one, to die on the cross for our sin. Your Bible says 
Son of man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for men. Christ was born to die. Christ was born to go to the cross. Christ was born to bear your sin and my sin on a hill called Calvary. Now, recent number two, Christ came right there in your Bible. Verse number 10, the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, wait. I follow Christ and die for somebody else's sin. We can't even die for our own sin. But thank God, in this area, we can follow Christ. What do you do living? Witness. What do you do dying? Witness. My friend, what's he doing for lost people? My friend, listen to me. If you're going to follow Christ, you got to get involved in what he lived for and what he died for, sharing the gospel with the lost and dying world. Now, if I find out how Christ sought people, it might help me as I try to reach people with his word. Number one, first of all, the seeking Savior. Christ sought people in two ways. First of all, he sought people persistently. Almost every time in the Bible you find Christ, he's trying to point someone to God. Road in the crowd, a beggar cries out. He stops, leaves the crowd, goes over, points him to God. At midnight, a religious comes and knocks on the door. John 3, he opens the door, asks the man in, sits down, and points him to God. He meets a woman at the well. What do you do? He points her to God. My friend, when God walked on this earth, his main thrust, his outstanding priority was to point people to God. Now, get honest. Get honest. Get honest. What do you live for? What do you die for? What do you practice? Can you really say... I'm following Christ, no part in witnessing, no part in giving out a tract, no part in giving your testimony. Can you really say, I'm following Jesus? Yeah, you might be saved. I wouldn't question that. But my friend, to follow Christ, we ought to do what Jesus did. Now, he sought people persistently. What will that do? Two Being persistent is God's plan, not my scheme. I'm sick of schemes. Here's God's plan. How do we fill the church? Very simple. In Luke's gospel, chapter 14, a man made a supper. The supper speaks of salvation. How come? It satisfies the hunger inside of a man's soul. Luke 14, a supper. Send the servants out to invite. They go out and invite and invite and invite. They come back. They say, Lord, nobody wants to come. What did Jesus say? Even the old college, that's all you can do. Let's just let them go to hell. Now, what do you say? Yeah. They went out, they come back excited, man. Hey, Lord, we got a few. Was Christ satisfied with a handful? No. What do you say? Go again that my house may be filled. That is not my scheme. That's God's plan to fill this church. What? You get home tonight, get on the phone, invite Walk 90 foot to a neighbor's house, knock on their door, invite them. Then you re-invite them. Then you invite more people. And my friend, that is God's plan in the Word of God. How to get a crowd, how to get folks saved is in inviting. Years ago, I went to the Missionary Baptist Temple in Franklin, Ohio. They were in about 400. When I went there for revival, the pastor always wanted this. You start Monday night and go through Sunday and build. And I did every time. I was there and uh, on, on, I flew in on Monday. On Tuesday, Pastor H. and I went calling a new subdivision about five blocks down from the church. First door we knocked on, a lady opened the door, raised both hands and said, please, don't say a word. I know who you are. I know where you're from. I know what you want. Well, the biggest thing you do, she said, yep, 
You are from the Missionary Baptist Temple up there on the hill. You're having a revival. You want us to go? He said, how did you know that? She said, how do I know that? Gentlemen, you two are number 18 and 19. have knocked on my door inviting us to revival. She said, we are not religious. We don't go to church. At breakfast this morning, husband and I got talking. Something's going on up there. On Wednesday night, if my husband gets off work in time, we're going to come and see what's happening. Ready? They come. They saw what's happening. They both got saved, all right? Now, wait. wait. Think of that. Nine people knocked on the door to invite them, and they come. That's the key, being persistent in inviting. I know some of you guys, I can tell by looking. You know, you ask a girl out, she said no. Another girl, she said no. Did you quit? Did you give up? No. You finally spent some woman desperate enough to go out with you. That's what happened. Yeah. Now, wait. If you put that in the gospel, you find somebody desperate to get saved. Thank God they can find Christ as their Savior. If you're persistent, you say, nobody wants to get saved. That is a lie out of hell. I'll touch on that. What did Jesus say? Well, guys, the harvest is pretty skimpy, but we'll do what we can. No, what did Jesus say? The harvest is plenteous. And why are, why are more people saved? The laborers are few. That's why. A church that's a going church, a church that's out there locking and sharing and witnessing is a church that God's promised his blessing. And first of all, they sought people persistently. That's God's way to get a crowd. Number two, I like this part. They found people that were prepared. Now, right here, okay. Here it is. Here's a man named Zacchaeus. What's he, where is he? He's up in a tree. That's a good place for a tax collector, up in a tree. Say amen, okay. Yeah. Here he is up in a tree. What's he doing? Trying to find out about Jesus Christ. See, I hear it again. Nobody wants to get saved. I can prove it wrong. I can prove it wrong. How? Very simple. I can prove it wrong. How? You wanted to get saved, didn't you? Yeah, you did. You got saved. Why? Because you wanted to. And my friend, there are people just like you waiting for somebody to give them a tract, give their testimony, knock on their door. And Christ said, it's not a handful. It's not two or three. He said, the harvest is plenteous. Why don't you put God to the test? Why don't you? Invite somebody, get a chance, witness to him, give him a track, and see what God can do. But my friend, it has to start somewhere. It has to start with God's own people. Yeah, it's easy to make excuses, easy to send folks to hell. But my friend, the Bible says there are folk out there that want to get saved. I'll give you some more Bible examples. Uh, Zacchaeus right here, trying to find Jesus. Here's one. One day Jesus walked by another collector's office. His name is Matthew. Could never get saved. Huh? Jesus didn't know that. He walked by and just two words. Two words. He said, hey, follow me. That's all he said. Follow me. What happened? Matthew arose and followed Christ. Don't tell Matthew when you get to heaven, nobody wants to get saved. Huh? How about this in your Bible? Philip, God catches him out and sends him out in the desert. How come? A guy that's a treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch, a treasurer of the country of Ethiopia, is in a, in, in a chariot in the middle of the desert. 
Now, I know something you may not have read, but I read between the lines, buddy. That chariot was in the desert. Why? It was a Ford chariot, and it broke down out there in the desert. That's why the guy was there. Somebody say amen, all right? But anyway, what's happening, huh? What, what happened? Philip, in, in five minutes, Philip led this guy to Christ. A big shot, tracer of the big nation, waiting for somebody. Who, who's waiting on you? Who's waiting on you? Just to share the gospel, give a track, invite to revival. Who's waiting on you? Here's a tough one. The guy had a rotten. He was a bully. But he, you treat him wrong, he'd cut you off just like that. The guy cussed and swore. Macho man. His name was Peter. Who led him to Christ? A little guy named Andrew went to him, and Peter got saved. There's proof, my friend. I have, I have yet to meet the first person who wanted to go to hell, not one. I mean, some don't believe it. I never seen anybody say, yeah, I want to burn. Nobody's ever told me that. And my friend, you have the answer. As I said this morning, you're probably the only Christian in America that they know if you fail, there's nobody to come off the bench and solve the problem. Years ago, I was in Wisconsin, and uh, one day the pastor said, there's a guy we ought to go see. Edge of town, we pulled up in front of a great, big, huge building. There was no sign on the front. We got out, went up, opened the door, stepped inside, a buzzer rang. I looked around. I realized we're in a huge wholesale store. A side door opened. I walked a short, heavy-set fellow. His name was Dick. Now, Dick never met a stranger, 100% Italian, gregarious. He come out and, you know, we shook hands. Have a seat, have a seat. We sat there. We talked a while. I said, Dick, could I ask you a question? Oh, he said, go right ahead. I said, Dick, if you were to die today, do you know you'd go to heaven? I asked him that question. He stood up, slid the chair back, leaned across the table, intentionally laughed out loud right in my face. He said, haven't talked to the Rev, have you, huh? So I'll give it to you straight, buddy. I'm a straight shooter. Number one, he said, I was born in the Catholic Church. Number two, he said, I was baptized as a baby in the Catholic Church. He said, number three, I'm a member of the Catholic Church. Every morning, the last seven years, while you're wallowing in bed, he said, at five o'clock, I'm down at the Catholic Church for an hour. He said, don't waste your breath. I'm not changing. That is final. What did I say? I said, Dick, let me ask you a question. Important. A building you walk into with a big name on top or going to heaven when you die. What's more important, Dick? Well, he said, going to heaven. He said, don't lie to me. You look me right in the eye and tell me when you're gasping and straining and struggling and that Dick's breath of air does not come, can you tell me you know you're going to heaven? Um, he said, I really, I really can't do that. I said, Dick, here's all I want, nothing more. I got a New Testament right here. Can I show you from that New Testament how not Joe Mark, not the Baptist Church, Jesus Christ said, there's one way you can know you're going to heaven. Now, can I show it to you? I want to see it. Okay. I open my Bible. We're all sinners, especially all carpet salesmen. Somebody say amen. Now, Number two, I point out to Dick, because he was a sinner, he's heading straight for the gates of hell. 
Number three, I explained to him. When Christ was on the cross, the Bible says, He, Christ, not it, not a church, He bore our sin in His body on the tree. Dick, that's Bible. When Christ was on the cross, because He was sinless, He bore your sin and my sin and the sin of the entire world. Now, that means everybody goes to heaven. No. God's not in the forcing business. But he made it possible for you to be saved. How do I become a Christian? I'm glad you asked. I was going to tell you anyway. Here we go. Whosoever, that means you, shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I said, Dick, right here, right now, when you trust Christ and Christ alone to be your Savior, he jumped to his feet, slid the chair back, reached in his right front pocket. He pulled out a roll of that big around. Something pastor carries. And uh, he started going through that big wad of bills. The smallest bill was a $20 bill. Gave it to the preacher. He said, uh, you guys go and get coffee and donuts and come back. I was tempted not to come back when I got $20 and went to buy donuts. But anyway, we walked two blocks down the street. You know, you know how many donuts $20 buy? It'll buy a lot, bless God. Yeah, yeah we looked up on donuts and coffee. We come back, opened the door, stepped inside. Dick's office door opened. He walked down and said, hey, guess what happened to me? I said, tell me. So I went to my office and got on my knees. I told Christ the last 43 years I had religion, never been saved the Bible way. He said, preacher, on my knees, in my study, the best I could, I accepted Christ as my Savior. I said, Dick, do you mean that? He said, yes. Are you sure? He said, preacher, I mean it with all my heart. I said, come here, look at this. He that will not be ashamed. Bible, Dick. Dick said, the Bible says, if you really meant that, you'll make it public. Now, how? You could run an ad in the paper and say, I've accepted Christ. The way most people do it is they come to church, hear some preaching, close to the service, they sing a song, and that person who got saved walks down the aisle and makes it public they got saved. I said, Dick, how about coming to church tonight? I said, I'll preach. After I preach, we'll have a closing hymn. I'm inviting you to come down the aisle. You don't have to say anything, but if you want to make it public, you got saved. He said, what time's the start? 7 o'clock. He said, I'll see you tonight. Put in the church parking lot at 6.30. Ready? In the church parking lot was a brand new silver Lincoln Continental. Folks, I knew it had to be a visitor. No Baptist could ever own a Lincoln Continental. That's all there is to it, all right? Dick got out and said, hey, let's get going. This is exciting. He said, man, let's get going. We got inside. We got talking. I knew Dick was saved. You say, how come? Number one, preacher, how do I get my wife and boy saved? That's a good sign. That's a good sign. Yeah. Andrew went and got Peter. That's a good sign. It's a bad sign for you because some of you got saved and never even told your relatives how to get saved. That's real love. and That's real compassion. Let him slip into hell. No, no. Dick, he had a burden and a compassion. I said, okay, so the service started. Now, wait. Dick wasn't a Baptist, but I knew he was going to become one. Why? Here we are. One minute before the evening service starts, Dick goes and sits down in the last row, all the way against the wall. Buddy, if that isn't Baptist territory, I don't know what is. That's all there is to it, okay? The total attendance was about five. That's all. And there was Dick back there. Second song, the back door opened. In that door walked the largest lady I've ever seen in my entire life. 
about eight, eight axe handles across, okay? She slipped in and sat down on the two chairs beside Dick. Now, I preached that night. I finished preaching. I said, okay, if you want to get saved, come and tell Pastor Day. You're a Christian. You've been saved. You want to make it public? And saying, Dick jumped to his feet, buttoned his coat, turned around. He could not get by on the right. He couldn't make, I watched him. He, I'm going to use the word here. He climbed over the chair, kind of got in the aisle and come down front. Come down front with a big smile. When he got down front, he raised both hands and took charge of the service. Yeah. That guy from my office, showing from the Bible how to get saved and know you're going to heaven. He said, you know me. I've been a good man, a moral man, a civic man, a religious man, a church member. I want to tell you something, buddy. He said, today in my office, I Christ is my Savior. When I put my head on my pillow, for the first time, I know I'm the gospel works. All you have to do is share it. And the Spirit of God can take it from there. Oh, I hope you'll share it. I hope you'll share it. Hope you're not going to see someday. If someone you lied to, I'll be quite blunt. You lied to people. You say, hey, I'm your friend. Maybe a hunting friend. Maybe you had things in common. Ladies, maybe a shopping friend. You never told them how to get saved. I got to question something. Are you really a friend? Friends don't let friends plunge into hell without trying to get them saved. You say, I couldn't talk to you. Talk about everything else. Talk about weather. Talk about politics. Talk about sports. When you get your heart right with God, you can talk about Jesus Christ. Somebody else, how to get saved. Number one, the seeking you're Number two, here we go. The scared saints, look in your Bible at verse number 7. When they saw it, saw what? Saw Zacchaeus come to Jesus. All mummers saying that it's God with a man that's a sinner. Now, my friend, how sad. Think with me. Zacchaeus is trying to find out how to get saved. He's so desperate, desperate to make a spectacle out of himself, climb up in a tree to get saved. Now what happens? Huh? If any one of the guys there griping and belly aching, complaining and criticizing, and be doing what they should have been doing, they could have led him to Christ. See, it's easier to criticize and condemn sinners than tell them how to get saved. Shame on us. Shame on us. Here he is trying to find out. Yeah, they'll criticize him. But they never tell him how to get saved. That crowd's not dead. May I remind you of that? They're not dead. I've, I've seen it happen time and time again in revival. Somebody comes and gets saved, and afterward, somebody, hey, that's my friend. Did you ever tell him how to get saved? Well, no, I didn't. Suppose they died, you hadn't told them, and nobody else had. What would happen? They went to hell. But you never told them, no. Were you really a friend? Were you really a friend? My friend, I want to tell you something. If you're a real friend, you'll risk embarrassment. You'll risk rejection. You'll risk anything. You'll go to any link to keep that person out of the fire of hell. It's time we got desperate to see for saved and stop playing games. How can they believe in him of whom they have not heard? They cannot get saved till somebody tells them how to get saved. I know I hope tomorrow you'll tell somebody and give God, give them the opportunity that someone gave you 
1960, Indianapolis race was about two-thirds of the way over. One section of temporary bleachers gave way, collapsed, and went halfway down. On the back row, a man, his wife, and her three- or four-year-old daughter. When the bleachers gave way, the man and his wife were thrown off backward. Their daughter was caught in the bleachers as they folded up like an accordion. When the man hit the ground, he was temporarily stunned. In a daze, he got up and wandered around. Soon, his mind started to clear. He looked everywhere and found his wife, and she was injured, but not super seriously. They looked for their daughter, called her name, they looked everywhere. Pretty soon, in desperation, the father went to the edge of the bleachers, looked in. He saw his little girl. When the bleachers folded up, she got caught in the leg between the walkway and the seat. He looked in. She was crying and screaming. Quickly, the man went to some men and said, hey, hey, my daughter's trapped. Hurry, help me. Come on. My daughter's trapped. Help me. The porter from the Indianapolis Star said, I couldn't believe it. Great, big, tough, macho men, pull away. Sip there. Sip their beer. Watch the racers. And not one person would help. Not one. When I read that, I thought, that's a lot like the average Baptist church. Uh-huh. Crack the average church member, go on visitation, knock on a door, give a testimony, give a track. The average church member rather sit home, prop their feet up, sip Pepsi, and watch television, and say, yes, sir, I want to tell you, buddy, uh, I'm a disciple of Jesus. Is a lie, sir. You are a part of of the cult of the comfortable. What right do you have to put your comfort ahead of somebody's eternal discomfort in the flames of hell? What right do you have to do that? Christ died for that person as much as he died for you. He deserves the same opportunity somebody gave you but knowing your stinging pride and selfishness. And someday you'll stand by their grave and shed tears like a hypocrite. My friend, it's time we wake up, wake up. The world needs Jesus Christ. They must have him. And you and I are the only people he knows, probably in America today, that knows how to tell him. And yet we fail to tell him. Who will you tell this week? Who? Who? Bow your head for prayer.